actions of mine would be traced if oh. I fell um, mine fell would, ill with coronavirus. Mine would be shameful because I don't do anything. I'd be like, <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, God, help her. Don't lock her up for two weeks quarantine. Get her out. Local service station for a paddle pop. Exactly. That was my walk today. Yep. On. Hello, Zan. Hi, Miff. We're going a bit early this week. We're going early. We're champing at the bit. Mm-hmm. There's already been so many things that have happened in the last couple of days. I know. Not least, the Super Bowl. Da, 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 da. Before we get into the most important part of the Super Bowl, which is the halftime show. I was going to say who played. Why do Australians care about this? Like They don't. I saw people... I'm just assuming that they were, quote-unquote, working from home, but at pubs during the day, oh, okay. like it was a grand final of Australian football or rugby league and watching it's just is it just part of that kind of American culture you just want to be there to watch it we don't care about gridiron any other day of the year do we no I don't think we do I wouldn't have thought so is it chicken wings what anyway well it's just an excuse to gather and gather and yell yeah (laughs) not allowed to yell this year there were people at the Super Bowl too which um yeah America you do you but uh, they had not as many people, but still people in uh, one of the worst hit nations of coronavirus it's wearing me. their masks, so it's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Well, uh, even the halftime entertainment wore their masks. <laughs> okay, we need to get to that. It was the weekend. Yeah. He was in what someone I know described as um, a 10-year-old magician's show jacket. Oh, is that right? It <laughs> was too. Oh, bring out the dove. Thank you, Josh Earl, with the red Glittery. Um, he even had the leather gloves Did he? going on. I was thinking, surely it's warm in, in Florida. Um, but the weekend. I guess that's COVID safe, though, isn't it? Gloves? It was COVID safe. Um, the weekend putting on what is the Super Bowl show in some ways a medley of songs, mm. but in other ways was c- kind of boring. Like, I can I can I very say this? good, incredibly good, amazing voice, very capable, mm. hard to sing to a stadium of that size mm. because I think whenever you're in a room, if you've ever done any kind of public speaking, you tend to project your voice because oh. you just think I've got to fill the room yeah. and he sounded amazing and I really like the cool little gold box thing that he was crawling inside of at stages but it just didn't feel like Turbo Super Bowl. Yeah, that's true. It didn't. It didn't feel like there was no left shark. No left shark. Um, <laughs> there was no, no costume nipple, changes. No nipple slip. No nipple slip. Well, nothing. we'll get to that afterwards yeah, as well. Yeah, well, that's true. It was perfectly performed and I did love that bit where he was going in and out in the gold room right up next to the camera and there's been so many great memes that have come out of that online, lots of people saying, you know, this is what it's because he was sort of looking up at the camera and all the angles were wrong and his face was in it and he was lost and it's like my face when I've got to get out of the club at 3am and <laughs> I can't see and the other ones were... Uh, what was it? Me trying to look for a Zoom link one minute before a meeting. <laughs> so if you if you see that image, that's what it is. Um, and look, I thought it looked really striking. Yeah. But yeah, it was just it was a bit just a bit straight, wasn't it? He had about a thousand people working on the show. Mm. So when you think about the context of it's got to be different this year because there is a pandemic. Elephant in the room. Absolutely. A thousand people is still a lot of people. Yeah. Why couldn't one of those people be a special guest? Apparently the weekend said that having any special guests would interrupt the narrative. And as 
Slate put in this amazingly oh, spicy piece that you sent to me, the narrative being that The weekend sang four shows, one after the other. That was the story that he was telling. <laughs> like there was no goddamn narrative. I know. There was. I thought that the um, – back to the box really quickly because this speaks to what you were talking to earlier about the amazing masks. In When they're all in the box and they're all close to each other, all of the dancers were wearing these – face masks and it worked because it was when he was singing I can't feel my face when mm. I'm with you which is you know they kind of look like they've got bandages um it looks cool they're also really close to each other so they needed to have masks because they mm. couldn't socially distance but then when they went out on the field and they were just in lines I swear to god it looked like they were all just wearing Y fronts on their heads <laughs> like just pairs of undies <laughs> strapped over their head like some sort of frat prank did oh, it not yes. look that way to yes, you now that you say it I hadn't thought about it like that but it now just, that you it say it just didn't quite translate yeah and they were out in the field no nah, not quite um but this late article is fabulous it's sort of it edges towards the idea that perhaps we've got a bit serious with our halftime entertainment or Americans have got a bit serious with Taking their halftime. Taking ourselves too seriously. Well, and I think in general it, it, it could be said of, of so many things that we make at the moment. Everyone's a bit scared of, of doing a misstep or, or completely blowing it out of the water with something tacky and hilarious. I know that as a Eurovision fan I have been a little sad over the years at the, the decline of the tackiness of Eurovision, you mm. know, and the dagginess and the fun and the ridiculousness. There's always one or two that you go, yes, here it is. Moldova. Yeah, of course, always bring it. <laughs> but in general most of the artists take it far more seriously and it's, it's, it's a much more credible thing these days and I think Super Bowl's suffered a little bit because of that because this late article linked up a magnificent halftime entertainment that happened <laughs> and this gave me so much joy yesterday when I watched it. It had Tony Bennett and Patti LaBelle and they performed the halftime show but it was some sort of tie-in with a Disney ride. And <laughs> Disney ride? <laughs> not a movie, not a show but a ride. And it had a little bit of um, The Lion King in there and the Indiana Jones and it was... <laughs> It was extraordinarily bad and it was magnificent and I loved it. It was so good. <laughs> it was just daggy AF and hilarious and terrible and wonderful. And, I've, and you know, there were explosions and stuff and, and parachutes on fire. And I think that's what America needed and we needed this year. A bit, yeah. more, bit more Shazam because it's, it's been a rough time. <laughs> There's enough money going into it, more pyrotechnics, more insanity. If The weekend's going to do it himself, then bloody jetpack him in there like you Absolutely. did with Lady Gaga. Absolutely. Try no. harder, Super Bowl. <laughs> no disrespect The weekend. You did a great job. But, yeah, we could have had a bit more Shazam. As Slate said, everything about this performance was calibrated toward people who enjoy the music of The weekend and were interested in seeing him perform it live. That's no small group of people and good for them, but it's not really what the Super Bowl halftime show is supposed to be about. Here, here. <laughs> We're going to put that in the show notes. It was a very, it's very, very spicy and funny article from Slate. You mentioned the nip slip, so-called nip slip mm. of Super Bowls gone when Janet Jackson performed as a guest on Justin Timberlake's halftime show. And interestingly, that's come back into the frame this week pun not intended, with framing Britney Spears. This mm. is the New York Times documentary that just aired overseas over the weekend. A lot of people talking about it in Australia. You can't actually see it anywhere in Australia that I know of yet. Can I just give a little shout-out to Billy? Billy Bang Fam. Bang Fam. For the link. You know how he sent it to us? How? He found our email address in the show notes. Yeah? <gasps> <laughs> Shut, look, I, Thank good you, on Billy. You, Billy. 
That's all thank I'm going to say. Billy. That's all I'm going to say. No, it so was... a huge thank you to Billy because that's how we were able to view it. And I'm sure that if you've, you know, got some some wits about you, you'll be able to find a way to see this. Yeah, it's on Hulu yourself. Uh, in America. So New York Times are obviously doing a, a bunch of documentaries for Hulu. So um, this is this one is oh, it's dark. It is dark and it's really the, – the title I think says a lot about what it's about because this is all information that we lived through in the last 20 years as mm. we saw – 20-odd years as we saw Britney Spears rise in the kind of late 90s around the time of the boy bands. She was the big female pop star mm. as a teenager that broke through and then we saw that fall from going through various relationships to – dealing with a lot of mental health issues, losing the custody of her children and all of that playing out on various paparazzi. And, and I would, we were I would suggest mental health issues brought on by yeah. the fact that she was utterly hounded by paparazzi at the time in a way that when you're watching it in this documentary, it's, it's shocking. None of it's new though, that's the thing. And that's, I think, the key point of this doco is that I remember seeing all of this and as I was watching it, I was thinking I'm – complicit in this because I bought those magazines and I watched this happen and I had certain reactions about, you know, whether or not she was crazy or not, what she was doing. You know, we laughed along with the jokes and now that concentration of all of that information in front of you, it's stark and much like so many stories that are being retold and we've talked about this, about re-examining history, Mm. both the recent past and the much further back in history, historical past. It's important we do this because the way that we talk about this, these things does change. The way that we talk about mental health has changed hugely in the last 10 to 15 years, even in the last five years, I would say. And so re-examining our reactions and like this en masse in 90 minutes or 78 minutes or whatever it is, um, back to back, it's it's shocking to see mm. this. The, some of the things that happened, it, it is, it's spurned on by her conservatorship, which we've talked about before on mm. Bang On. And... This is basically where her father and some lawyers have control of her finances but also control of her. Like she can't do anything without their approval and, in fact, they can make decisions on her behalf. Like they can make her do certain things. It's insane. This is something that usually people are um, subject to if they're not of sound mind, often quite old, unwell, all of that kind of stuff and it's not something that stays in place for long periods of time. It's almost like an emergency fix. So the explanation of the conservatorship is one big part of it but it really goes back, as you say, the mental health issues that were likely caused by a lot of these experiences that she had. It goes back into the archives. You see her singing when she Mm. was 10 years old Um, and from that point as she's going out on these talent shows – I think she's on a show called Star Search and there's she's a 10-year-old kid and this 69-year-old host is asking her if she has a boyfriend. Yeah, she was sexualized by the media, the media that actually then brought her down by criticizing her for showing any kind of interest in sexuality or her own sexuality and yet she was sexualized long before that. Some of the most jarring scenes are of the journos when she must have only been about 18. Asking, Younger, I reckon. Asking her, I mean, there was an Australian 60 Minutes reporter. Um, Mike Munro. Mike Munro, asking how she can be this teenager but also kind of sexy as well. And He literally said this virginal type mm. or someone prancing around in their underwear, this idea that women are either the Madonna or the whore yeah. and there can be no agency or blending of both and in yeah. both cases they're there to be objectified. It's 
it's shocking. It's shocking. It's, but and it's the, not surprising, not isn't surprising. it? Not surprising. The French uh, television host who asks her about oh. her breasts, she's not even of age at that point. Like it's it's horrible. And, and you're right about the complicit thing. I, I feel like now we all watched it in the same way we watched Amy Winehouse. Yeah, and that's, I was thinking about that a lot. So was this. I. So was I. And, and it, I think the whole industry needs a rethink about how we treat women and artists and it's shocking what the media was allowed to get away with during that time and how I didn't even probably think it was a bad thing to make jokes about Britney. No. It's something you can – a story you can only tell, I think, for screen because you can see the look on her face when she's constantly Mm. undermined, suggested she's a part of the machine, suggested other people are the Svengali's behind her success and she's just both rolling her eyes but also looks so bored by this Mm. and her responses are so articulate. She's clearly at the centre of these decisions. She's the one who's working hard. She's the one who's making these decisions and she's exhausted from having to constantly repeat that narrative because it's just dismissed as possible that this very motivated and talented girl who becomes a teenager, who becomes a a working woman in the music industry could ever have any agency Mm. or control over her own life. And I realised, I think I brought up Justin Timberlake before in the halftime show because one of the other real kickers of this is that uh, it brings up the whole Justin Timberlake, the relationship that they had and when they split up, how much the narrative of her being a cheater, of him p- casting an actor who looked like Britney Spears in Crimea River mm. and suggesting that she was a, a slut that had cheated on him and broken his heart. She was 19. I'd hate to think if anyone wrote a song about me and my behaviour when I was 19. Insane. Absolutely appalling, but that shouldn't. she's allowed to test the waters of anything she wants at that age. And he can be this, as, you know, articles have said, this quarterback hero who's been brokenhearted by Britney Spears and go on to have this ascending career and just leave this, you know, battleground mess behind him where he's completely obliterated her side of the story, positioned her as this certain type of person and left a kind of wreckage behind him, much like what happened with Janet Jackson That's and right. which we've talked about before on yeah. Bang On where that Super Bowl halftime show and the ripping off of the costume and he got no blowback from that. That all happened at the same time as all of this yeah. shit happened, which I was just like, again, all of this this focus on what was going on at the time, where our minds went and also what we were being told by the media. Mm. There's an amazing array of people who speak in this documentary none of the family are involved Brittany's not involved but there are a couple of key people um involved including the woman who headed up the marketing at her label and also like a a family friend who was almost like her chaperone Mm. who spoke quite clearly about that intent and motivation self-belief self-knowledge control that Brittany showed from a very early age but there's also a handful of New York Times journalists and Wesley Morris who's a the critic at large at the New York Times, says this amazing quote which really stuck with me in the doco. She's saying essentially with no hair, I quit. Whatever you guys are looking for, in terms of me coming back and being that person again, I'm not, that person is gone. And you have, you have destroyed her. The idea that people could look at that and only see a crazy person, well, just, that just tells me that you know, what a, what a vulturous society she was working with to begin with. 
hearing him say that, watching it accompanied with everything that was happening around that time, and we saw the images plastered on the front of trashy magazines, but you see in these this doco, you see the paparazzi hounding her, you see the flashes going off insanely, this smothering, you know, she's basically being hounded and smothered by a bunch of men and it doesn't stop. There's helicopters over the top of her house, mm. there's spotlights, it's, re- it's relentless. And then we say, oh, she's just, she's crazy. It's like that would drive anyone absolutely crazy. Yeah. That would cause a breakdown in anybody. Yeah. It's just And now because of it, stark. she has no control over her own life still. And it's terribly tragic. How are we letting this happen? How are we letting this happen? How did we let it happen? I was one of the people who was glued to the drama and that complicity as people talk about who's responsible, the we family are. and those who are around her. We are too. Those echoes of Amy, um, this is as much a, a, a damning of our mm-hmm. role in this. We're the ones who click on that those links, yep. buy those trashy mags. It's awful. It's a brilliant doco though. Yeah. And if you get a chance to see it, just do because I think it'll, it makes my resolve stronger to work hard to make sure this, this stuff doesn't happen anymore. Now, why are you sending me a YouTube of Handforth Parish Council's Planning and Environment Committee meeting on Zoom this week? Because it's the best thing you will see <laughs> all year. Like, it was so great. Um, Jackie Weaver, the main player of this. Not the not actor. Our Jackie Weaver. Not our, not our Jackie. But this is actually Jackie Weaver who is the chair of, of this particular meeting that's happening over Zoom. And not only does this meeting have some of the best Zoom qualities that you've grown to love <laughs> and hate over the last 12 months of having to use Zoom, like there's people with their backs turned, there's someone <laughs> taking a phone call, oh, I'm on a call, and then there's, you know, all sorts of things, bad angles, everything. It's all in there. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a condensing of everything you hate about Zoom. It's the best of. Yeah. <laughs> but the content is extraordinary. Um, there's a chair, there's obviously something going down. And the chairperson and uh, another fella or another two fellas who, who seem, seem quite batty seem to be angling for one thing and the rest of them, the kind of can-do council members, uh, are just holding the fort calmly and quietly and Jackie Weaver's in charge. And as chair of the meeting, she removes the person who I think is ahead of the committee, um, I'm not entirely sure, but he's screaming at her going, Jackie Weaver, you have no authority here. <laughs> Wait, we just need to listen to some of this. It's only the chairman who can remove people from a meeting. You have no authority here, Jackie Weaver. No authority at all. She's kicked him out. Don't. This is a meeting called by two councillors. Illegally. They now elect a chairman. No, they can't because the vice chair's here. I take charge. And then you've got the other two guys, one of them who just loses his mind and and says this to Jackie Weaver. Read the standing orders. Read them and understand them. Like that's full freak out. This is like a strata meeting. It's a council meeting. They're really going off. Is this what happens in council meetings? It is. What am I missing out I know. I need to get involved. But the thing is Jackie Weaver never loses her calm or her cool and she even comes back with a a couple of retorts that are hilarious and witty. Um, She just blocks them out of the meeting. They're gone. (laughs) 
gone. And I, I think why this video has captured our imaginations, not only just the Zoom stuff and the frustrations of, of those experiences, they're never quite right. It's the fact that for so many women we've been in that position where we've been told things, yelled at, over-explained, we're wrong, it's our fault and in actual fact all she does is just go, you're out. Yeah. <laughs> Kicked him out with silence. It is very, very gratifying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of all the fun stuff happening online this week, everyone's inviting people to something called Clubhouse, Sam. Clubhouse. What is Clubhouse? Oh, you're not on Clubhouse. No. <laughs> What is Clubhouse? Tell me, because I feel like it might be my worst nightmare. Uh, I'm on it and I'm still not entirely sure what Clubhouse is. Yeah. Um, according to the makers, it's been around since like March last year, mm-hmm. but it's just started gathering steam. And, and I it's think, already worth a billion bucks or whatever. Yeah, it's one of those startups that's getting a lot of heat. And I think that it was Elon Musk jumping on there last week that made a lot of people take notice and him basically giving it the cosign. Mark Zuckerberg's popped up there. But what is it? Good uh, question. Where are they popping up? Are they what? what well, how? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you because I've got the app here in front of me and um, like I said, I'm still trying to figure out what it is. It's apparently part talkback radio, part conference call, part house party. If all of that sounds like your worst nightmare, yes. then this might not be the app for you. Um, it is considered- I don't need to be connected anymore <laughs> to anything else. I've already, I'm already spoilt for choice for things I can listen to online. I've got TED Talks coming up the wazoo. Like... <laughs> I don't need any more people talking at me. But these are live. So it is radio. Like it's interesting because the way that it's pitched is like live podcasts. But you and I have worked in radio for bloody donkey's years. That's what radio is. It is. Live podcasts. Um, There's plenty of radio I haven't got time to listen to. You can't save it like podcasts though. If it's there, it's there in the moment. You can't listen to it later on. It's supposed to be, you know, listen now, you know, blink and you'll miss it. Um, interviews, discussions on various topics, all that kind of stuff. When you sign up, and I got an invite from my brother who's very tech savvy. He's the one who told me, you know, 10 odd years ago, oh, there's this new app called Instagram. You should reserve your name. There's this new app called Twitter. You should reserve your name. Mm. So I listen to what he says and some of them are hits and some of them are misses, you know, but you can find me at Zanra on Clubhouse because I've reserved my name. Uh, but the topics that you put in are really varied and they go from, you know, anything from meditation to tech to networking to health, whatever. There is, you can select specifically Burning Man as a topic, oh which suggests to me a massive red flag. <laughs> this, sounds, this sounds like Second Life but the, I without mean, the animation. I guess the idea is, like you just said, you've got already got so many things. The idea is that you open up Clubhouse and you're just listening to one thing, you're not seconds screening. I don't know if that works or not. I'm just going to open it up and show you. What does it sound like? What kind of punish are we in for? Well, okay. So Sorry, I sound really angry, don't I, about new apps. I just haven't got the time. I mean, you're of a certain age. You hate new things and you hate change. So that's, that's fine. That is true. That is so true. <laughs> the, there's, so there's a bunch of things happening right now um, by various groups and you can just join any of them. So, what groups um, have you got on there that's good? Oh, here we go. Lighthouse, shining and protecting your light. Oh. So let's see what they're saying there. He would want me to continue to to have a light um, in this in this world. And if you're in my situation, um, I'm, I'm sure that the people that you've lost would also want the same. Okay, so I'm going to leave that quietly. That's where are you going now? I'm going. To, well, let's see what else there is. Um, there were some good ones running before Clubhouse on unlocked with two exclamation marks. That sounds saucy. Mm. Um, oh, how to not die alone. Let's oh, open God. that one up. <laughs> Small question. Actually, yeah, I could have two, but um, I just wanted to say congratulations on your book launch. Um, for anybody who's joining us midway, we're here to talk about Logan's new book, How Not to Die Alone. Um, Lynn already bought a bunch. 
for all yeah. my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have you on that, Lynn. Logan appreciates it. And- <laughs> so it's just people just po- chatting, <laughs> podcasting, basically. But it's they're just, like, it's radio. It's I guess radio. It's radio, but who's oh, curating it? Who's- hang on. Welcome, Ian Ziering, Celeb <gasps> QA. What the? Yes, Ian Ziering from Beverly Hills 90210. Uh, well, um, I'm a kid at heart. I still have. It's fun iron, by lighting the way. firecrackers and doing stupid stuff, but in a more mature way now. But still, it's it's just the way I, I've always been. As far as uh, um, being more mature, I I think that I have to give thanks to uh, my parents for raising me with oh. the value. See, Sounds this is Clubhouse. So they've actually got like, okay, if you consider, sorry, Iron Zeering, aka Steve mm. from Beverly Hills 90210, there's all kinds of random people like that on there. And I guess the thing is that you visually got this, you know those people, but you can join them having conversations and it's, it, I guess it's the same sort of thrill as how on Instagram you feel like you've got access to someone's inner life. It's not something that's produced. It's live. It's in the moment. And any, also anyone can broadcast. So Who, if you've got an oh, iPhone, right, okay. anyone can jump in. So it's not curated in any way. I think that, like, I'm sure that there are certain people who have more followers and stuff, but, like, I, you press that, I can start a room. We could do a bang on on Clubhouse if we wanted. I just saw a tumbleweed roll behind <laughs> you. <laughs> so, yeah, that's Clubhouse. Mind you. I still don't fully mind understand you in a year, it. We'll be on it, of course. I've got to say, Iron Zeering, that's been my highlight of Clubhouse yeah. so far. So I'm so definitely going to be getting back right into now. that. He's, he's talking. talking right now. See, you want to be, I've got an invitation. Do you want in? <laughs> no, thanks. Okay. <laughs> Oh, we have a little fashion. Oh, yes, yes. As we all know, the Australian Open is on. Every year there's someone who loves to buck the trend on the boring white skirt for the Mm. ladies and that person is always Serena Williams. Mm -hmm. Thank God she exists. Remember the tutu? Oh, that was good. good. She's just amazing. This year she's got a cat suit. And it's, it's almost like a superhero suit, really, and it's inspired by a runner from the 90s who you might remember, 80s and 90s, she had the really long fingernails, mm. Flojo, mm. who was an extraordinary runner um, and had, like, massive fingernails. And she used to do the one leg in the leotard and uh, this one is an interpretation of that. It's a one-legger cat suit inspired by Flojo and I'm here for it. I love the colours. I love everything about it. I love the fact it's like when you're in bed, you know, at night and you're too hot... <laughs> You can't work out your temperature, you just put one leg out. Well, Australian summer, you know. Yeah, exactly. You never know what you're going to get in Melbourne, (laughs) as Crowded House said, four seasons in one day. (laughs) She's representing that in her house. This is the outfit for that. I love it. It's it's brilliant and it's brought more fashion to the tennis, which frankly needs it. Flo Jo wore the bikini cut Mm. um, on the track and field. As we know, certain organisations within tennis are a little bit hoity-toity. I think at the the French Open uh, she tried to wear a black cat suit and they said, no, you can't because it's disrespecting tennis. Mm. So she has got like more of a bike pant so she can't be shut down. Mm. I like to think that we're a little bit more – actually, I was going to say I like to think we're a bit more relaxed than the French, but hell no, we're not. (laughs) Not in Australia. (laughs) Uh, But it does look amazing and I hope that as she, I'm sure – continues to the final rounds of the Australian Open, we see many more Mm. fashion Fashion. from Serena. What a queen. Mm -hmm. What a queen. Hey, before we get into what we're banging on about this week, I just wanted to give a little shout out to all the amazing Bang Fam who have written reviews. Oh, thank you. We weren't kidding when we said that we read them all. We love them from a purely boring algorithm 
Clubhouse, follow me on Clubhouse vibe, mm. um, it, it helps other people find us. If you leave a review or even if you just tap the star rating, five stars if you like, Please. that would be nice. Um, that helps other people find Bang On. And when you write little reviews, they're so beautiful. So Karakaj said, and this is something that a lot of people say actually, I appreciate how Australian Bang On is. While I was living overseas, tuning in always gave me a little sense of home. Aww. So many people tell me that. And they email us too saying that they listen to Bang On um, as expats, particularly now many expats unable to get home easily. So we are here for you. We read your messages. Thank you. And we're so glad that we're a little connection uh, with our daggy Australianness to home. Tanya said, Zan and Miff, you hug my heart every Thursday with a new episode of Bang On. You make me laugh, drains and tear up at times, Aww. depending on what you may do, be discussing. I live for your recommendations and fashion, but I have to say – Crocs are a hell to the no from me. <laughs> you radiate joy and are the epitome of awesome. Thank you for also sharing Norman, Viv, Steve and Merv with us. Much love. Oh. Got some good feedback from Emmy679 who gave us four stars. Almost perfect. Love the podcast. Oh, what did she say? Why she took a star off? Good. But please stop singing. Not saying oh, you enough. are a bad singer, <laughs> but it's one of those things that's really irrationally frustrating when you're trying to listen to a conversation <laughs> and then you have to fast forward and skip parts. We're like the ads in the podcast. I think that's fair enough. Skip 15 seconds. No, singing's still going. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and a beautiful message from Cozzy. Thank you, um, Emmy. We take that feedback on board. A catch up with friends, says Cozzy. I love these two women and each week on my long walks, I often smile, laugh out loud or get teary along with them. As an older listener, I feel like they keep me in touch with opinions and latest updates on so many issues. I love delving into show notes for go. further Very reading good. and I, recommendations. Look, I they were there then. I just didn't know where to find them <laughs> on my phone. My weekly catch up is like a catch up with my gal pals. Lots to discuss, lots to laugh and lots to exchange. Oh, Keep banging on. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, just quickly too, the spew bowl lives on. If you've missed, <laughs> if you've missed our discussion on the spew bowl, uh, that was a couple of weeks ago. It's that green bowl that seems to have gone through many generations. I've had loads of messages. It, it, it never ends. Um, Sammy on <laughs> Much Twitter like spew. sent me a photo. Yeah, my nan's gone into a home and we're selling some of her stuff in a garage sale today, including the all important spew bowl. Oh, that's a warning for that garage. Don't buy the green bowl. Don't do the brown acid. Don't buy the green bowl. <laughs> Thank you for all your messages. What are you banging on about this week? I'm banging on about an excellent television show uh, that you may or may not have seen. It used to be on ABC2, I think, late at night. I'm not sure. I get lost. It's now on Stan. The full series is on Stan. It's called Game Face. It's a British sitcom. Oh, and you know I how I've been talking about, like, I'm really enjoying sitcoms and, and television shows with just really women who are just chaotic and ridiculous <laughs> and magnificent and all of the things. And this is one of those TV series. It's um, from written and starring uh, Rasheen Kanati, I think is how you say it, or Kanati. I'm not sure how you say her surname. Mm. I'm not super familiar with her comedy. Um, she appears on lots of those talk shows, you know, those panel shows in the UK. And it's around a struggling 30-something actor called Marcella who, as I said, is chaotic AF and just hopeless and ridiculous and it is funny and it's funny in parts where you actually have to go, no, 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 <laughs> no. It's really good, really good. So if you just want something fun and light and hilarious, this is it. Um, it's all based around the fact that her partner of 12 years left her and got married within two weeks and she's she's recovered. She's a year later, but then he comes back into the fold. She's got a crush on, she's trying to get a life together. So she's getting a license. She's got a crush on her driving teacher. It's 
Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And very, very funny. Game face. Stan. Stan. Excellent. Now, what Good are you, tip. Yeah, what are you banging on about? I'm banging on about a book. I'm actually curious about whether you've ever interviewed Tana Douglas because I feel like she's someone you may have come across. She's known as the first female roadie in the world. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is wild when you think about that. But it was in the 70s that she got her start. She's just written her biography. It's American? called Loud Australian. Oh, wow. Yeah. So grew up in Queensland, ran away in the 70s as a 15-year-old and then through a succession of chance meetings and a hell of a lot of tenacity, found herself as a roadie and front of house engineer for a young band called ACDC who had just moved from Sydney, got in a share house in Melbourne and were about to launch their first album. Wow. And she moves into the share house with them because, as she explains in the book, they're like a family, everyone, you know, literally the youngs, but they work together they're super motivated and they want to make it work and they're all there as a unit and she's there to try and help them in the best way that she can. And she reaches the point with ACDC where she's like, okay, it's getting bigger. I'm not really learning anything anymore. I need to do other things. And through this whole career, which I believe continues to this day, she works for all kinds of legends. The Who, Elton John, Iggy Pop, Patti Smith, Ice Cube, so many people um, in production and – I really love these stories like whenever you read about stories from people who aren't necessarily the people on stage, Mm. um, managers or photographers, people who circle in the scene who are part of that massive industry that doesn't really get the attention that it deserves but is absolutely pivotal to what brings that joy to us on stage. It's a really different perspective. You get that full understanding of that big family and, of course, the highs and lows of everything that goes in between. And it goes without saying, you know, the challenges of being a woman in that scene of, you know, it's absolutely dominated by men. Um, she constantly has to deal with people who don't respect her or literally just are like get off the stage, like, no, I'm, I'm supposed to be here and yeah. they think she's a groupie. She constantly has to reassert herself, I belong here, I'm working for the band, mm. I actually have a more important job than you right yeah. now. Um, and I have such respect for her as such a hard worker who literally is just there to, you know, her job is to make the band be their best. Mm. And it's just such a rocking, rollicking read. Like I just, it's such a page turner because you're just, you're getting this really unique insight into these legendary artists and, um, it's a real fly on the wall vibe. So I'm loud by Tana Douglas. I'm actually reading it because she's doing the take five on my double J show this week. So yeah, you'll be able to hear from her herself and all of her stories on the take five podcast. Awesome. Um, if you're keen on that. So yeah, I reckon you'd love it. Yeah. She's great. That's oh, it. what social media apps going to be invented next week that we would, don't want to be on? What was the other one that went into places all around the world? It wasn't chat roulette, but it was it was there for a while. I was on that. Not house party. Not house party. Um, oh, started with P. <laughs> anyway, so you can't remember. They just fall by the wayside. I reckon Clubhouse is here to stay. I don't. <laughs> I don't want it to. I don't want to have to learn a new thing. You know what is here to stay? What? Bang, Bang on. on. On the podcast. Yeah. Subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. See you next week. See ya. Bang. 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 Bang on.